And good morning once again, and welcome to the Community Church. Thanks for being here. Glad you're all here this morning as we celebrate Christ himself and the communion that we're going to enjoy at the conclusion of the service. Also a time of fellowship, as Brandon said. This mic's a little hot there. So we hope you can join us afterwards for coffee in the coffee lounge and some refreshments. There's some kids who are having their first communion this morning, so we're kind of celebrating with them and grateful for the opportunity. But first, we're going to look into the Acts of the Apostles once again. Last week, we saw the Apostle Paul engaging with his spiritual and his natural cultures and ultimately asserting his Roman citizenship in the form of his right to appeal, his right to appeal to Caesar. He was standing trial before his accusers and said to the governor Festus, I appeal to Caesar. And he acknowledged the unique lot in life that he had, that he was born into as both a Roman and a Jew. And we said that we should do the same. As David said in the Psalms, the, the lines have fallen in pleasant places for me. I appreciate uh, the place that God has me, and we should all come to appreciate uh, the privileges and the challenges of the unique spot in life that we have in our family, in our community, in our, our church community, and in the culture. We should appreciate and engage, uh, engage with the culture and avail ourselves of the, the blessings that God has given us. And it was interesting, this juxtaposition of Paul's privilege against the backdrop of his predicament, his predicament, Right? He was at once in prison while simultaneously residing in a palace of all things. So was he restricted? Or was he free? Was he in luxury or was he in deprivation? Uh, was he isolated or did he have the company of his friends when he needed to call upon them? Was his ministry on hold or was God using this to properly position him for one of the high points and highlights of his ministry? And whether God has us on the back burner, seemingly, or in the spotlight, we know this. Sometimes it's a matter of perspective because we seem to experience both of those things at the same time. And we're saying, Lord, I thought I was supposed to be in this place, but I'm over here. Meanwhile, God says, this is the pathway to get to that place, the place where I want you to be. And sometimes that perspective is all that we need. We said if it's as if God seems to enjoy taking his people from the prison to the palace, properly positioning them despite the situations of life, despite the plans of man, regardless of how the circumstances feel or how they appear on the outside, because sometimes it's just a matter of perspective. And in the final analysis, God wants to set the stage for you just like he did for Paul here, he wants to set the stage for you to give an epic testimony to the goodness and the glory of God, to be a witness for him. That's what this whole book of the Acts is about. It's about the Holy Spirit empowering God's people to be a witness for him and to share their testimony concerning Jesus the Christ. And God can and he does take all the stuff that seems hapless to us sometimes and seems uncomfortable and doesn't seem to make sense, even wrongful treatment and false accusations as we saw that Joseph experienced and as Paul is experiencing here in the book of the Acts 
And he can take these things, the people and situations that you believe may have held you back, and he'll use those very circumstances in order to equip you and position you for his kingdom purpose according to his will and even for your own good and for the benefit of the people around you. We saw that in the life of Joseph. We saw that in the life of Christ, and we see it here with the life of Paul the Apostle. And if God had his hand on Joseph and on Jesus, his son, and on Paul, I believe God has his hand on you as well in the middle of your circumstances. Prison or palace, it's a matter of perspective, privilege, predicament, so that we too will be positioned to give testimony to God's purpose. And that brings us to chapter 26 this morning. And this is really what's been going on for the past several chapters, actually. Now for the sixth chapter in a row, the Apostle Paul has been testifying or giving testimony. What is that? What does that mean to give testimony to something? In the modern legal sense and in the classical sense, it means, of course, to give a solemn declaration, whether verbal or written, attesting to a firsthand account of something that has been witnessed, something that you've seen. And I think it's about to come on the screen right about now. Very, there it is, a firsthand account of an experience that you may have had. And in the biblical sense, it means all of that, a firsthand account, this experience, but it's this idea of sharing your own personal experience, your own experiential narrative of the way and the means by which you came to follow Jesus Christ. You're giving testimony to that. Kind of like Brandon came up here this morning and beforehand, he was reading and he was giving testimony to Jesus in the reading of that revelation of Jesus Christ to John the Apostle. But we're supposed to share from the story of how we were brought from death to life, from my own way to God's way, from following all kinds of other things to following Jesus Christ, the one thing that matters most. And now for the past several chapters in this book of the Acts, Luke has shared this account of Paul giving solemn testimony or attesting to his firsthand experiences before, during, and after his coming to Christ. What was life like beforehand? What was it like afterwards? What was the encounter with Jesus Christ like? And if we have a testimony to share, we've got to share. What was life like before Christ? What was our encounter with Christ like? And what, what does our life look like now? What is the change and the transformation that took place that someone else would say, hey, that's interesting. I want to hear some more about that. First, Paul was before the council of elders in Jerusalem in chapter 21. After he greeted them, he began to relate one by one the things which God was doing in his ministry. And in this way, he was testifying. And it was before the crowd of Hebrews that wanted to kill him in chapter 22. He said, I'm a Jew just like you. I I persecuted Christians also, of course, until Christ got a hold of his life. And in chapter 23, before the Jewish council and the high priest, he said, I've lived my life in good conscience. I believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm testifying to what I believe. And then before Governor Felix and last week uh, Governor Festus, and now this morning, we'll see once again, it's the Apostle Paul not just facing legal charges, but standing center stage, giving his testimony to the Lord Jesus Christ. I think everyone is testifying to something. Everyone. 
not just Christian believers. I think everyone is preaching their gospel or sharing their experience or giving witness to something. Think about it. Whether you sell widgets or you work in healthcare, you're advocating for something that you think is something that someone else needs and you're giving testimony to what you believe works or is the best or that's going to help them or in some way meet a need that they have. We're all testifying to the value of this or the value of that according to our experience or the good or the service that we can provide. When companies want to sell products, what do they do? They get a testimonial from a satisfied customer, right? And someone gives testimony to the fact that this thing helped me or changed my life or in some ways beneficial for me and it's going to be beneficial for you as well. And the God of the universe being infinitely more prized and valued than a commodity or a widget or goods and services, how much more worthy is he of us giving our testimony as to how he's saved and changed our lives and transformed us such that we ought to spend way more time and energy, I believe, than we likely give, and that's what we see here in these past several chapters of the book of the Acts. And someone sitting here might think, well, I don't know how to do that. I don't know where to start. I don't know what it looks like. I'm not quite sure. I'm not, not real comfortable doing that, or, or I'm an introvert. Guess what? I'm an introvert too. Your pastor is an introvert. That doesn't preclude me from giving testimony to who Christ is and what he's done. And if you don't believe me, I've got the temperament profile to prove it. They can show you the results. Wow, this guy's an introvert. Check it out. That doesn't mean that you can't share the gospel. You can't share and give testimony just to what you've experienced. Everyone in this room can. In fact, everyone in this room does, I believe, give testimony to something. It's merely a question as to what or about whom you're testifying. And if that's you, but you aren't quite sure what to say or how to say it or where to begin, I think this Acts chapter 26 and Paul's witness here is just what you need. It's just what I need because in it we'll see a biblical approach to giving testimony to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're probably way more capable of doing this than you realize. I can promise you this, you're going to need the Holy Spirit, so why don't we just appeal to the Holy Spirit in this moment to meet us here. Thank you, Holy Spirit of God, that you are here. Lord, by faith, you abide in those who believe and who have received by faith your Spirit, Father in heaven. Thank you that the Spirit of Christ is in us and with every believer and upon those who ask. Lord, you said it's your uh, pleasure to give your spirit to those who ask. So we thank you for the infilling, the indwelling of your Holy Spirit, and we thank you, Lord, that you can lead us in this moment as we look into your word. Lead us in the way we should go. Father, uh, have your way in us, we pray. Jesus, as you taught us to pray, thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you, Father. Lead us through the power of your spirit. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Amen. From Acts 26, verse 1. Agrippa said to Paul, You are permitted to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hand and proceeded to make his defense. In regard to all the things of which I'm accused by the Jews, I consider myself fortunate, King Agrippa, that I'm about to make my defense before you today. 
especially because you're an expert in all customs and questions among the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. So then all the Jews know my manner of life from my youth up, which from the beginning was spent among my own nation and at Jerusalem, since they have known about me for a long time, if they're willing to testify, that I lived as a Pharisee according to the strictest sect of our religion. And now I'm standing trial for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers, the promise to which our 12 tribes hope to attain as they earnestly serve God night and day. And for this hope, O king, I'm being accused by Jews. Why is it considered incredible among you people if God does raise the dead? So then I thought to myself that I had to do many things hostile to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And this is just what I did in Jerusalem. Not only did I lock up many of the saints in prisons and receiving authority from the chief priests, but also when they were being put to death, I cast my vote against them. And as I punished them, often in all the synagogues, I tried to force them to blaspheme, and being furiously enraged at them, I kept pursuing them even to foreign cities. While so engaged as I was journeying to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests at midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining all around me and those who were journeying with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice say to me in the Hebrew dialect, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. But get up and stand on your feet. For this purpose, I've appeared to you to appoint you a minister and a witness, not only to the things which you've seen, but also to the things in which I will appear to you, rescuing you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles to whom I'm sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who've been sanctified by faith in me. So King Agrippa, I did not prove disobedient to the heavenly vision, but kept declaring both to those of Damascus first and also at Jerusalem and then throughout all the region of Judea and even to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with repentance. For this reason, some Jews seized me in the temple and tried to put me to death. So having obtained help from God... I stand to this day testifying both to small and great, stating nothing but what the prophets and Moses said was going to take place, that the Christ was to suffer and that by reason of his resurrection from the dead, he would be the first to proclaim light both to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. And while Paul was saying this in his defense, Festus said in a loud voice, Paul, you're out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you mad. But Paul said, I'm not out of my mind, most excellent Festus. But I utter words of sober truth. For the king knows about these matters, and I speak to him also with confidence, since I'm persuaded that none of these things escape his notice, for this has not been done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you do. Agrippa replied to Paul, in a short time, you'll almost persuade me to become a Christian. 
And Paul said, I would wish to God that whether in a short or a long time, not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am, except for these chains. The king stood up and the governor and Bernice and those who were sitting with them, and when they had gone aside, they began talking to one another, saying, this man is not doing anything worthy of death or imprisonment. And Agrippa said to Festus, this man might have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. Fascinating address here by the Apostle Paul. It is indeed a solid and biblical approach to giving testimony to the Lord Jesus Christ. And if that's what we also want to do as fellow believers of Jesus Christ, let's consider how Paul goes about doing that this morning in the time that we have. What does Paul do? What does this look like? How does he testify? How does one testify to the life of Christ and the kingdom of God? Here's what Paul does. First, he sees the opportunity. Then he seizes the opportunity. If we're going to bear witness to the reality of Christ in our lives, we're going to have to see and seize the opportunities in front of us. And that might sound simple, but I can promise you it's an acquired skill that's more art than science. Because what happens is an opportunity comes along. You're not even thinking about it. And before you know it, the opportunity's gone and you miss the chance. You've got to be on the lookout for the opportunity. You don't just see it. Sometimes it'll, it'll come up and happen. And by the grace of God, you have the chance in some way, shape, or form when the spotlight is on you or someone's listening to you or you have this opportunity. Sometimes it hits you. But I'm telling you, the best chance we have Trusting in the Holy Spirit to lead us is to be ready and available and prepared. We need to be looking for the opportunities. Think about this. Paul is on trial for his life, essentially. He's been accused of these things. He has a plot of people trying to kill him, right? By the grace of God, he testified, God brought me to this day. He took me from prison to the palace, as it were. It doesn't mean people aren't still trying to kill him. But as he's going here, he could have started just with his own defense, right? Get a lawyer, get an advocate for himself and try to get out of this bind that he's in. But he didn't do that. Instead of testifying about his own defense, he said, let me testify about the Lord Jesus Christ. He saw the opportunity and he seized upon it. And this wasn't just a standard courtroom. This was a hearing with this guy, Agrippa, who was king of this sort of... Um, a province of Rome that had their own little space and area next to where Festus was governor. And this guy said, I want to hear this about this Paul prisoner. It sounds like an interesting case. And he was, had a Jewish background himself and he seemed to know all the rights and customs. And that's why Paul said, Hey man, I'm pleased to stand before you. Think about that. He said, I'm glad to make my case before you today. I'm thankful for this opportunity to testify, not just about myself, but about what God's done in my life. He sees the opportunity and he seizes the opportunity. I'm fortunate. I beg you to listen to me patiently. On Wednesday morning, I was in Long Beach having some blood work done like any other grandpa might be doing. Got to get your cholesterol checked and make sure, especially ahead of the holiday season and all the stuff I'm about to eat. So get it checked so you know where you stand. And uh, like any any uh, working person, uh, they open at 7 a.m. I said, I'm going to be there at 6.45, so there's no line, right? I'm going to get there early. And 
once you know there was a lady who was there a little older than I am, she was a little wiser, got there a little bit earlier, and she said, I'm not going to stand in line. So she was sitting in her vehicle there in the parking lot. I pulled up, and I saw her there, and I was like, okay, this is my chance. I can just race to the, or I can beat her there. I said, no, 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 it's okay. So I get up there, and I go to open the door. The door's locked, so we're not, can't even go inside yet. And this uh, lady, we exchanged pleasantries. I got to hear her, her uh, heavy accent a little bit. She said she just got in from Florida, and, uh, but she was here already getting blood work done the next day. I'm like, okay, this sounds like a story. I said, I said excuse me, you know, kind of introduce myself. I, said, I would love to hear your story. I'd love to hear where you're from, if you care to share, just where she uh, had this heavy accent, you know, she was clearly from Russia or somewhere over there. Who's calling me? My sister's calling me. Apologies. <laughs> she had this heavy accent, and she said, well, I'm from, wait, let me get this straight. I'm from Czechoslovakia, Hungary, the Soviet Union, and the Ukraine. And I said, okay, wow, this really is a story. Let's check this out. She said, no, the city I was born in in 1947 was Czechoslovakia. It was in Czechoslovakia. Um, then it was part of Hungary, the same city. And then it was part of the, the USSR, right, with the Soviet Union. And uh, now it's in Ukraine. It's in Ukraine. I'm like, wow. I said, well, the city I was born in in Columbia, South Carolina, is still the same place in the part of the United States, you know. This is quite different than, than what I was expecting to hear. So I shared about my life story a little bit and how I came to New York and, and Pastor Greg inviting us to be here, a part of this church. And, and she said, yeah, a lot of people don't go to church anymore. And I said, yeah, may, maybe you're right. Um, but I knew that she, she was Jewish, she told me. And so I seized upon this opportunity. I said, but you know what? Just like God said to the prophet Elijah, he said, I always, I always maintain a remnant for myself. There's a remnant of, of prophets that I've got for myself. And so you don't have to worry that not everybody's going to church. God has his, his remnant of people that he's calling to himself. And, and I said, maybe, maybe he's calling you to himself. And I said, hey, you know, invited her to church. She's laughed. You know, she's like, oh, an old Jewish lady going to your church, you know, a Christian Protestant church. I said, listen, you would be welcome. We would love for you to come. And I don't see Edith here this morning. So, so she hasn't responded yet. But we have to see and we have to seize the opportunity. You know, in this place where Paul was standing, he was before a king, a governor, all the, it said the prominent people of the city were standing there. And he said, I wish that you all would respond to this, whether it's going to be in a short time or a long time. I'll keep testifying if it'll help. I'll, I'll say it again. I'll make another appeal. And you saw him here when Festus kind of laughs at him, you know, and Edith kind of laughed at me a little bit and she didn't have much more of a response wait there's someone coming in the door wait is it edith it's not it's not but welcome welcome we want you here too come on in so we don't know how someone's going to respond but we have to see the opportunity and seize upon it which paul does here and the second thing he does he provides testimony about christ and then he shared hope the second thing he did was to share hope with the people who were listening. Three times in this passage, verse 6, hope of the promise made by God. Verse 7, the inheritance of which the 12 tribes have hope to attain. In verse 7, for this hope I'm on trial. That is the hope of resurrection life. We have to testify about the hope that we have in Christ, if indeed we have it. If indeed his hope has captured our heart. And now we're following Christ. 
We have to share this hope. There are so many hopeless people in this world today. So many people, in fact, many of them without realizing they're without hope. Their hope becomes, how do we have the most fun? How do we have the most pleasure? How do I get the most money and have hope alone in this life? Paul said we would be, of all men, most miserable if that were the case. But we have a hope that is beyond this world and this life. And if we're going to give testimony to the Lord Jesus Christ, we have to talk about hope. Peter would write in his epistle, Sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that's in you. Give an account for the hope that's in you, but do it with gentleness and do it with respect. That's what the Bible says to do. Give an account for the hope that you have, but do it with gentleness. Do it with respect. I think Peter knew himself, and he knew some of us, that we can talk about our faith, but maybe not be so gentle. Maybe some people are abrasive when they share their faith. It's not what the scripture says to do. Maybe some people do it, but with not much respect for the people to whom they're speaking. Paul says, most excellent, Festus. I'm not crazy. This is the truth. He makes his appeal. He offers hope, and he does it with gentleness and with respect. And then he speaks directly about his encounter with Christ. If we're going to testify to the Lord Jesus Christ, here's the biblical approach, to see and to seize the opportunities that we have to do it, to share hope with the people around us. And then we have to talk about our encounter with Christ and the difference that he's made in our lives. And Paul does this in these terms. Here's my life before Christ. Here's the encounter that I had. And here's my life after Christ. Before my encounter with Christ, I lived as a Pharisee, he said. He's not ashamed to admit how he used to live. Now, we hear the word, if you say someone is pharisaical, that has a certain connotation in our society, right? It's someone who's hypocritical. It's someone who says one thing and does another or is high and mighty and thinks themselves above everyone else. And Paul says, that was me. That was me. That's how I was before Christ. I lived as a Pharisee. If we're going to give testimony to Christ and the change he's made in our lives, then we have to be willing to say, I was a And you have to fill in that blank with whatever it was before Christ got a hold of your life. Before my encounter with Christ, he said, I did many hostile things to the name of Jesus. Before Christ in my life, I locked up Christians in prison. I cast my vote against them. I pursued them to foreign cities. Then he said, then I encountered Jesus. He says it this way, he describes it in this way. I saw the light. I saw a light from heaven. I was in darkness before, but I saw the light, as the song says. Both figuratively and literally here for Paul, I saw the light. And after my encounter with Jesus, my life was different. I was no longer just the Pharisee. Jesus changed me from being hostile and pharisaical and belligerent to being a minister and a witness a minister and a witness. We know a little bit about that word for witness here as we've been going through the book of the Acts, that word, Greek word, martus, right? Where we get the word martyr. Someone is witness, laying down their life in testimony to something else, as Paul is doing here. 
What about that word minister? From the Greek word huparetes. It means to be, literally, this is what it means, to be an under rower, an under rower. What in the world is that? Think of the slave ship, right? And you see in those movies or whatever, all those little uh, oars that come out of the water and it's going like this. And guess what? There's somebody below deck who's underneath who's rowing, who's rowing. This is the difference that the encounter with Christ that I had, I went from captaining the ship and saying, I'm in charge with the rudder and telling everyone else where to go. And now I'm an under rower who's cooperating and Jesus is at the helm. Jesus is in control of the rudder of my life. This is the difference that was made in my life. I used to live this way. I saw the light and was changed from darkness to light. And now I just want to row with Jesus. I just want to get on there and say, okay, Lord, you tell me where we're going today. I just want to witness for you. This is what Jesus said to him. You're going to be a minister and a witness for me. How ironic and beautiful that Jesus had revealed to him that he was going to be a witness and he was going to spare him out of the hands of the Jews and the Gentiles. And here he is standing with the Jews wanting to plot against him on trial in front of the Gentile king and the governor. Meanwhile, he's saying, Jesus already spoke the word that he's going to save me from you guys. I don't know if it's that clear to them, but it's pretty clear as we read it here this morning. And Paul says, here's the change. Here's the difference that was made. Here's the way I was. Here's the way I am now. I've received forgiveness. I have an inheritance because I'm sanctified by faith. And that's everything that Jesus wants him to offer to the Jews and the Gentiles. Verse 18, to open their eyes as your eyes have been opened. So that they may turn from darkness to light, from the dominion of Satan to God. And receive forgiveness and have an inheritance and be sanctified by faith. Everybody is giving testimony to something. Who will give testimony to Christ and the kingdom and the difference that he's made in your life? If we're going to do that, we have to see the opportunity. We have to seize the opportunity. We have to offer hope. We have to... Speak of our personal encounter of how Christ has transformed us from who we used to be to whom we are now. And while Paul was saying this, Festus said in a loud voice, verse 24, Paul, you're out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you mad. Not exactly the response for which Paul was hoping. It appears as something crazy to the natural man to the natural brain when you start talking about life after death and you start talking about resurrection it sounds like nonsense to the natural man and Festus says you're out of your mind <laughs> you're crazy but Paul pushes back gently he says I'm not out of my mind I utter words of sober truth so I take from that giving testimony to the Lord Jesus Christ in love and doing so gently doesn't mean that you simply become a pushover. It doesn't mean that you let it go. There's a time we've spoken of before in this book. There's a time to wait. There's a time to be silent. And there's a time to stand up and to speak up. And Paul says, 
This is the truth, sir. You're excellent, and I give you every honor that you're afforded. This is the truth that I speak. He pushes back with gentleness and respect, and we should too. We should make the appeal. We should be prepared when some people call us crazy. That's okay. Show kindness and respect, but it's okay to push back, particularly against the accusations of the enemy. You're crazy. What do you think? Paul says in verse 26, I speak with confidence since I'm persuaded. And if you're persuaded of the reality of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit in your life, you can speak with confidence. So what if they laugh at you or call you crazy? The king jumps in and says, in a short time, you'll nearly persuade me to become a Christian. And Paul replies, I wish to God, I I would wish to God, whether a short or a long time, not only you, but all those here this day might become such as I am. And this is the essence of the witness and the heart that's needed in order to give it. Do we long for others around us to become such as we are? Are we content to just gain an inheritance for ourselves? Or would we be willing to share that inheritance with somebody else. Everyone is giving testimony to something. Surely the treasure that is Jesus Christ is worth testifying to and sharing with others. We're going to have a time of communion now, and if you've experienced that life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ, and if you're a minister or an under-rower with him, and he's at the helm, I want to invite you, if Jesus is the captain of your ship and you're rowing with him and for him, I want to challenge us with this before we come. As we receive communion this morning, that is part of that ministry that we have that we should think soberly about and we should look for those daily opportunities. If you're a believer in Christ, would you be willing to look for, to see and to seize those opportunities to give testimony to Jesus Christ. If that's you today and you know Christ in this way, I'm going to invite you to come now and receive these elements of communion.